Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. And welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rodenverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host, Fran, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to remind everyone that my debut novel, Home to the World, the first novel in the Into the World series, a Tarzan meets Call of the Wild journey sort of thing, <laughs> uh, is coming out in about two months' time on August 20th and it is still out and available for pre-order so if anyone was like to dive into a queer Tarzan Call of the Wild story you can pre-order it now and uh, if you don't want to wait two months until the first book comes out you can check out the prequel short story that is just a sort of setup to what is going to be happening in Home to the Wild. It is entitled Echoes of the Past and it's out on all ebook platforms right now. Um, basically just reminding you just because uh, I've just (laughs) finished my revisions for book two which is coming out next year so just thought you know might as well um but yeah sorry just that's you know all linked in the episode show notes so go check it out all that fun stuff thank you um you can add it to your goodreads as well because that'll also help so that's going to be in the show notes too if you've got a goodreads add it to your want to reads that's a really bad rhyme (laughs) Anyway, so we'll dive into the proper episode now. So today, of course, we are continuing our timeline journey with the Son of Neptune section entitled Departing Camp Jupiter, which are from pages 150 to 192, all of which are from Percy's point of view. As always, I've got my points to focus on. So today we've got plot, characters, and generally what I thought of it. So let's dive into it. And here is the overview for Percy's chapters. Percy finally rests, but it isn't an easy one. Being visited by a fawn named Grover and a girl named Annabeth, they ask him to stay put so they may find him. With flashes of a past he doesn't remember, he meets a sleeping earthwoman who plans to have him as a pawn before a giant in the north says he's waiting for his arrival. Making his way with his new friend to the Senate for a discussion on the quest, Percy sees how many people live long, happy lives in New Rome and gets to thinking. The meeting with the Senate goes as well as the team expect, which is obviously not great. Not only is there a rumbling of dissent caused by Octavian over Frank's rise in rank, but the information Percy has gained from his dreams has Octavian acting as if he were a traitor. Our team learns that each giant represents an anti-god, and the one from Alaska where they're heading is the anti-Pluto, a fully immortal giant who can only be killed when he's removed from his homeland. To make things even worse, 
Even if they free Thanatos, it won't make that much of a difference with the barrier between life and death trapped somewhere else. The doors of death are no longer under their control, but under Gaia's, and that's a problem. With the quest set with no financial aid due to Octavian's actions, the trio make their way out of the Senate to prepare to leave for the Armada they have access to, until Raina calls Percy in for a meeting, alone. <laughs> Raina is floundering, the camp is in danger, and Octavian is desperately wanting power that she doesn't want him to have, so she offers Percy the chance to become Praetor at her side. Percy declines. He isn't one for power, and Raina relents. She goes on to ask if he really doesn't remember her and her sister Hyla from all those years ago, and to her dismay, he doesn't. Raina offers him her Baloma. No, Bologna? Oh shit, what is. What's her? I think I've spelled it wrong. Hold on. The Roman goddess. Goddess Bologna. No, I was correct. I was correct. I don't know why I doubted myself. Offers him her bologna ring for which for when they reach seattle so he can check in on her sister and also hopefully stop her from killing him on sight with their final meal eaten the trio head out to the san fran docks only to find a beaten old dinghy that has seen better days a bit of neptune magic has the boat fixed to a level that is somewhat acceptable and the trio finally head out into sea their journey has begun. Ooh. <laughs> oh dear. Wow. They're not having a good time, are they? They really are not. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, Camp Jupiter is cool. Camp Jupiter, you know, it's got some really good things going for it and all this sort of stuff. But um, the people, um, you know, the ones with power, you know, it's capitalism. That's what it is, isn't it? It's capitalism. It's capitalism and politicians. Uh, they all suck ass. Um, and um, that's what's occurring. And that's why, you know, they've ended up in a terrible situation of literally having no money, <laughs> having no resources, you know, nothing, except for the few things that they were able to scrounge for themselves. Um, God, they are screwed. But hopefully it'll be fine. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, going into the feedback section for like these, how many chapters was it? It was four, four chapters, yeah, because they're doing four chapters for the POVs and Son of Neptune for some reason. Um, the feedback section is, uh, I want to know <laughs> how the hell he knew who Annabeth was. So I just want to read this section to you guys from the, oh, I, fuck, I've lost it. Um, <laughs> hold on, let me get it, let me get it, let me get it. I'm not that far off. There it is. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what Percy called but the fawn disappeared in the fog. Then Annabeth was running along beside him, reaching out her hand. How does he know who Annabeth is? All he remembers is someone called Annabeth. And it's from what I can remember, I know it was like a while ago that I read that chapter now. But I'm pretty sure he didn't remember what she looked like. He just kind of remembered her name and remembered that she was like important to him. So like... Uh, just like all you need to do is add in this extra line of like a bl and then a blonde girl appeared beside him and he wasn't sure how but percy knew this was annabeth just that one small fix because like this feels like a like oh i was just about to say without the plot it feels like a little bit of a plot hole or at least plot convenience of him just immediately knowing just, just 
an additional line, an additional line, because yeah, like I was saying, I'm pretty sure he didn't remember what Annabeth looked like. He just remembered her name and that she was important to him. If I am wrong, drop me a DM. I will accept it. <laughs> but like, I'm almost a hundred percent sure he didn't mention anything about her appearance. So, you know. Um, but you know, that's just me being somewhat picky. So let's get into things that um I'm more annoyed about. <laughs> And that is, um, <laughs> I know Percy was great in the war games, but I don't like how not only this quest is being made out to be for him, in that, you know, the dream that he has, the giant is waiting for him, Percy is Gaia's pawn, um, but Percy himself also says that Frank needs his help. I'm sorry, Frank is clearly capable of doing things himself like the only reason they won last night is because of Frank like Percy would not have done any of the things that he did if Frank hadn't told him to do them Percy has great skills but he should just be a soldier and not a leader and this is the thing that I had like an issue with in the original series as well is that Percy is consistently made out to be a leader like yes he has leadership qualities but he is not someone who can be a sole leader. For all the cases where he was the one, in a sense, in the driver's seat, um, Annabeth was the one, you know how um, <laughs> uh, when you're doing driving lessons and your driving instructor, they have like their own pedals, so if you get into trouble, they help you out? That's what Annabeth was. She was the leading instructor for Percy. Percy was in the driver's seat, but Annabeth was the one, you know, keeping an eye on things and guiding him that's the situation that's going on here and it's just it's kind of annoys me that wreck that wreck <laughs> that rick keeps forgetting that not only is percy's character arc in the original series him realizing that he shouldn't always be trying to be the one in control because he can't control and everything and it's not always his place to do so um because that's what's happening here like i'm just i'm really pissed off that frank has immediately lost all agency as the leader of the quest and in this scene like i know frank doesn't have that much experience but he's not incompetent this whole senate scene just becomes about percy and like and nico a little bit with hazel kind of jumping in here and there but it's not anything to do with frank frank is the one who's been hand chosen by god i know the god's his dad but you know that happens a lot with percy too his dad's half the reason why he ends up being given leadership roles because his dad's one of the big three but like that's i just i don't, I don't know it's just like it's, there's even the scene of like percy kind of like interrupting frank or like speaking before frank can speak to stop him to stop frank from saying something stupid when that is 100 percy's mo percy is the one who says stupid things to get under people's skin like he was literally doing it in the previous section with mars I just don't think, I, I just don't like that Frank is being regulated to a backseat person in the Senate scene. Like, the entire scene of discussing the quest, of discussing the situation, Frank doesn't speak. He's barely even in the narration part of what's happening. He's just kind of faded away suddenly. 
and it's just it just kind of gets worse really of <laughs> when it comes to Percy having this secret meeting with Rainer Rainer comments about how Frank isn't suitable to be Praetor because he's naive, naive. and that just feels very unfair because firstly she doesn't know anything about Frank she's not engaged with him at all bar that scene where he arrives at the camp and takes her aside privately to say hey my ancestor is what was his name Shenlu or Shen Li, something like that. Um, no, I'm gonna have to look it up. What was Frank's ancestor's name? Frank Zhang's ancestor. What is his ancestor? Ah, uh, that doesn't help. <laughs> I was hoping. Uh, yes, he is. Where? Okay, so it's not popping it up. And I don't want to look it up in too much detail. So if it didn't come up on the first search, so I'm not going to do it anymore. But yeah, the whole ancestor thing of like him having to apologise for his ancestor. Um, which, by the way, we are aware that it was 100% clearly racially motivated because he was an Asian guy who was blamed for an earthquake, even though he didn't have Neptune's earthquaking ability. I mean, come on now. He get he got kicked out because he was Asian. That was literally it, and the fact that Frank still had to apologise and Rain is saying, "Oh, and you know his whole ancestor situation, no one would accept him." I'm like, firstly, it's been a hundred plus years. Firstly, um, and secondly, it's also the twenty first century, and I'm pretty sure most people would recognise racism because that is a hundred percent why Frank's ancestor got booted out because racism. It's not like he has those powers now, and it's not like it happened recently. It was literally over a century ago. And it hasn't had consistent repercussions. I just, just it, was, it was weird. Like, his family was basically... Oh, what was it? Um, Oh, no, what's the term? What's the term? What is the term when, um, when you've been kicked out of a place entirely? Um, oh, God, I can't remember what the term means. Not what it means, what the actual word is. Um, I was about to say expelled, but, but kind of. Like, they were forced to flee the entirety of America. Or the United States of America, because obviously the America is the continent as well. Um, to, they had to flee to Canada. They were basically forced to leave the country because of racism and... <laughs> because they were blaming his ancestor for what happened when it wasn't his fault. But anyway, it's just the whole thing. It's just, I just don't like how Frank's been... I mean, even in the first section, like, so far, Frank has had such a minimal role in this book, and we are nearly 200 pages in, and he's just kind of been there. And it's kind of sad. Because, like, I know I'd end up not liking him that much later, but that's because Rick's writing of him is absolute shite. But... No offence, kinda. Um, but it just, it's kind of, it really does suck, especially considering also that we find out that Frank has, does have the least amount of chapters in the entire series out of all of the seven. Like, Nico nearly has the same amount of chapters as Frank. Just let that settle in. And Nico is only in one book uh, with POV chapters. It, mm, it's annoying. Technically, we've even had more of Nico. <laughs> in this book talking that we have of Frank. Let that also sink in. Nico has had more roles talking than Frank. That's messed up. 
he's a main POV character and a character who isn't a POV character has spoken more than him. Anyway, sorry, just to move on to plot. Because uh, this is the thing that I do find quite positive about this section, uh, to move off from some negativity on my part. Um, I am loving this sort of side treachery plot from Octavian. Now, Octavian is a character that everyone hates. Justifiably so, because he sucks. Um, because he's a dickhead. He's like Luke. He's a dickhead. But I love him as a character to start with. We'll get to that later. He is very manipulative and was easily able to gain control and, you know, twist the minds of the Senate through words by not only putting the blame on on what could happen on Rainer. So like, oh, you know, if anything bad happens, it's all Rainer's idea, blah, 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 blah. And also finding ways to make it so that the trio have no financial support, have no aid to their name for this quest by twisting the words of a god to suit the needs of what he wants. It's all very smart. It's all very, like, oh, I can't even, it's very precise. It's almost surgical in nature of how well he does all of this. I am somewhat confused as to why Percy makes this comment about how Raina isn't a talkative person because she's handled being Praetor by herself for months and months and months now. So she, and she commands respect both as a military leader but also just as a leader. So that comment about her being not being a talker didn't make sense. But in comparison to Octavian, I can see it. She is a good talker, we just don't see it. But Octavian is the better talker because of how well he's able to get people on site. Like, it's just, it's such an interesting premise that the original series also had with Luke of this whole, the enemy presence is also coming from inside the house. The giants aren't the only villains our heroes have to deal with. They also have to deal with villains from, you know, who are on their side in some ways or who are meant to be on their side. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's just very, very interesting. Um, I, I will note, just because people are probably going to be thinking this now, I am one of those people who was disappointed later when Octavian's manipulative and villainous elements ended up being wasted by Rick and become almost like comedy, like moustache twizzling villainy. Um, but for now, I'm loving the foundations of this within the plot. I'm loving the foundations of Octavian as a character. Like, he is, even though he's skinny and looks very sickly and just not good, he is terrifying in his own way. Like, Raina has this commanding presence that can be unnerving, but Octavian has this manipulative presence that can twist you into doing and thinking things that you wouldn't normally do. And you don't always realise you're doing it. Like, that's the only reason why I can think that Frank was ready to, like, attack him. Because of how, like, Octavian speaks. Because Frank is not, and has not, so far, been the sort of person to be rageful. So that scene always, that, that scene made no sense to me. But I like to think of it of Octavian knows how to manipulate people into doing things that they wouldn't necessarily do. Um, and yeah, that's just, uh, I, I like Octavian in 
principle. Um, is that the phrase? In con no, I like Octavian in concept. I'm just not a fan of the later execution. It's being executed well so far. Won't stay that way, but so far, it's very, very good. But additional plot relation commentary. Um, I am glad that we're getting the full reference and understanding of how the doors of how the doors of death are in trouble and what that has to do with the seven because we had hints to that whole situation in the first book but now we've reached the full understanding of the doors of death are no longer in their control because Gaia has full control of them we don't know how yet but we do know that basically prior to Santos's kidnapping uh the doors of death moved around a lot so no one could find them and use them but that seems to not necessarily be the case anymore because Gaia is able to use them easily. So it brings into question, what has she done to do it? Um, and don't worry, we won't find out for a long time. <laughs> um, or at least a long time on the podcast. You can find out now because like, you can probably read pretty quickly um, or listen to audiobooks, you know, either or. Um, <laughs> but podcast-wise, we'll find out in a year and a half. <laughs> um but yeah plot wise things that i'm enjoying the octavian situation i'm enjoying learning more about the doors of death situation um and yeah it's not not too shabby but let speaking of shabby let's go into the characters section of uh this episode because i have some thoughts and feelings on two of them and i'm going to start first with percy because percy's arc in Heroes of Olympus, kind of like as a whole, um, doesn't make any sense. And the original series is all about Percy basically learning that he can't have control of everything, how he can't do everything, and how he doesn't always have to be in charge. And yet, in this book, we have two conflicting elements in this very section. Percy has, in a sense, steamrolled into the leadership role of this quest usurping frank and then in the very next chapter has rejected power of becoming a praetor from reina by saying he's not into power it's contradictory at its best because how can he be rejecting power while also taking control of a quest that was not his in the first place um because like <laughs> i was reading it and the whole time i was like didn't Percy learn in both Titan's Curse and Battle of the Labyrinth that he doesn't always have to be the one in control of a quest? Like, that was the whole thing of, like, he got people in trouble in Titan's Curse and he felt some responsibility for what was happening in Titan's Curse. Um, and then Battle of the Labyrinth, it wasn't meant to be his and yet, you know, things were going awry very quickly. Like, this was the whole thing, like, this was his whole arc was learning, hey, sometimes you've got to step back. And now, in this book, he's quite literally taking control from Frank, making it out that Frank needs his help. Which, like, obviously Frank did ask for him to be part of the quest, but he didn't ask him to take over. Unless he did, somehow, and I just missed it. <laughs> But that just doesn't feel right. Because Frank has been the leader. Like, Percy was doing as Frank was ordering in the war game. Like, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, this is the case for the rest of the series of the, as well. Like, Percy is both, I need to back away, but also, I'm the leader vibe. And it's just so all over the place. 
that I continue to believe and state here again that he and Annabeth should not have been main characters in this series. If anything, they should have been minor mental characters with only Annabeth having a little bit more of a role because, you know, she didn't really have an arc in the original series because she wasn't a main character. Well, she was a main character, but she wasn't a POV character, so we don't really see her growth internally. Um, and not really externally either because we've get, we're getting a biased point of view from Percy. I just, yeah, I'm, mm -mm, I'm not a fan of it, which is why I'm going to go into this next character, which is Frank. Because look, okay, I know that Frank has some issues later on, and honestly, I am not okay with them. But I am mad that his role as leader of this quest has been taken from him in the senator scene. Like I was saying earlier, he disappears in that entire scene until like he nearly starts yelling at Octavian, and F Percy takes over and has to talk over him or interrupt him or stop him from talking so he won't say something stupid like they're making frank out to be a hothead <laughs> which so far has not been anything that frank has presented in this book like he's more he's a kind-hearted guy who's very protective of his friends that's it he's not being rude he's not being bad mouthing people he's not been wanting to attack people because literally in the final part of the scene before uh, percy heads out to see Rainer alone, him and Hazel are having to hold Frank back from beating Octavian up. That's not anything Frank has been like in this. It's just completely out of character. And it just, it just reads really weird. Like, I just, especially also considering in comparison to Percy No Chill Jackson, who is basically everything that Frank has suddenly been acting like in this section. Of he is the person who says stupid things. He is the person who acts rashly. He's had growth, but apparently all of his actions are instead being given to Percy. It's just, it just makes no sense. Like Frank should have been the one taking control in that Senate scene, speaking up and being active in it. Like I said, he just disappears for multiple pages with all the others engaging the story. He doesn't have moments of like popping in like there there could have been moments where Percy is asking about the giants and asking for explanations and explaining things where Frank could have been one of the ones asking these questions and digging for information because he's meant to be the leader of the quest but no he just disappears and it's just it's kind of maddening really because Frank has so much potential as a character to be a leader and it is something that becomes part of his character later on but we don't even get the initial setup what well, we do we had the war games to be the initial setup for him being this leader role and it's basically being completely undone in this scene where Percy is taking over Frank is basically being written out of scenes um, until they need him to act stupidly by trying to attack Octavian and I just it, <sighs> It just makes no logical sense for where Frank, you know, how Frank has been being presented, which makes sense because none of how Frank is written makes sense in the entirety of what Rick Riordan was writing. Because Frank's arc, Frank's character, is just a bunch of contradictions consistently. And it just, it makes no sense. And it's just, it's really frustrating because Frank had so much potential as a character. And I bring this up a lot. But this was another one of them, of him, like, 
having this leadership role and kind of being nervous about it and maybe have it that he's kind of asking some questions and speaking up a little bit and being nervous and turning to Percy and Percy being the person he's meant to be encourages him to keep speaking up and when Frank gets nervous or says something wrong Percy comes and helps him out instead of bulldozing over him and taking full control that should have been what would happen that should have been how this whole scene went. Percy taking the back seat and observing and helping his friends when they need it, not taking the driver's seat. He needs to be what Annabeth was to him. He needs to be the driver's ed teacher for Frank. He needs to be the one with the secondary pedals, helping him out when needed. But he's not. He's, ta- he's <laughs> kicked Frank out of the driver's seat and forced him into the into the back like obviously that's not the exact situation but that's how it's reading to me after everything we've had in the previous section with frank this just feels like suddenly every bit of agency frank had has been taken away and given to percy and it's annoying it is annoying (laughs) i don't know if people are going to agree because people are probably going to have loved that percy's you know getting more of this role you know he's being recognized for his skills and talents but people he had an entire series for that he doesn't need another one let frank and hazel have their time in the sun especially frank because frank really gets nothing in this series he just being gets made into a murder machine which is a weird arc to have but that's literally all that happens for him it's just it's messy it's so messy um but anyway I think that's all I have time for, <laughs> for uh, this section. So um, let's go into the thing you were all waiting for, which is this week's question of the episode. Because now I want to know, because I brought it up, is do you think Frank should have spoken up more in that Senate scene? Because um, I just want to know, like, do you think it is weird that Frank basically disappears from that whole section? Because to me it is. Like if you go through that section again the page what was the senate scenes from i think it's probably like 160 maybe later i i don't know exactly but from the 150 to 192 it's within that section i think it may be chapter two we have that senate scene and i want like just look you will see that he basically disappears from dialogue from you know the narrative like everything is just he's he's gone until he's needed once again suddenly i just it it reads weirdly but uh, yeah just let me know that'll be going up on our social media we can email in as well um but yeah thank you all for joining me for this week's section be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our inverse journey to plug where you can find our podcast we're available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and basically where we listen to your podcasts in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com or if you want to support the podcast you can head over to the patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, 
and I'll see, shall speak to you all next time. Bye.